Yo, 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 what's up, homies? It's time for the eighth episode of the Homies Real Estate Podcast. This is your host, Anthony Lovanos, and today we got a good one for you. Our very first guest, it's my little brother, Angel Lovanos. Angel, you want to say hi? Hey, everybody. I'm looking forward to being on the podcast today and just sharing some basic information in regards to getting pre-qualified for a home. Exactly. So today we got a good one for you. We're going to be going over pre-qualification. What is it? Why is it important? And then at the very end of the podcast, going over a mock interview or a mock uh, pre-qualification, that way you set some good expectations, have an idea of what to expect once it's time for you to get pre-qualified. So with that being said, let's go ahead and let's jump right into episode number eight of the Homies Real Estate Podcast. So Angel. Yes, yes. A common question that I always get, and I'm not a lender, I'm a realtor, by the way, but common question that I always get is, you know, what is a pre-qualification and why is it important? So first off, what is a pre-qualification, right? It's when you come down, whether you come sit down in person or, you know, you can do it through Zoom, phone calls, several different ways of doing it. But it's basically essentially um, when a lender reviews your income documentation, they're going to review your credit report to see your credit scores. Along with that, they're also going to be able to see your liabilities and your debts. And then we're also going to want to review your assets, such as your bank statements, to see, first of all, how much do you qualify for? You know, what your monthly payment is and how much money is going to be needed when you purchase your home down payment and closing costs. Right. And as in regards to why is it important? I think kind of just like a little what I see a lot of people do. Right. Is they go and look at homes before they get pre-qualified. Right. So they go out, they fall in love with the home and they're like, oh my goodness, now I need to go come in, get pre-qualified, do all those things. And they come in and a lot of times, to be honest, they may not qualify or if they do qualify, hey, I qualify for 550, but that payment, which is about $3,100 a month, it's out of my budget, right? So it's very important to come in and figure out exactly how much you qualify for, do you even qualify if you don't qualify, what steps do you need to take to home ownership, right? So that's why it is extremely important. You don't wanna start shopping without knowing all the information such as down payment, how much you qualify for, and how much money is needed when qualifying for a home. Preach, man. Oh my goodness. You hit it right on the dot. This is something that as a realtor, I have a problem with, right? Or I struggle to get my clients to do before they look at homes because there's been instances where we look at homes that you know are we think in their price range and then it turns out that there's some debts that they didn't know they had or something that's on their credit that they didn't know and because of that they don't qualify for those homes and we just spent an enormous amount of time looking at homes that they don't qualify for and this is the last thing that we want to do right is is not only waste your time but then set expectations and then have to reset them again so yep I always recommend, like Angel said, getting pre-qualified before you start looking at homes because last thing you want to do is, you know, waste time when you didn't need to. Uh, another- And just to add on to that real quick, um, I do think it's crazy. Sometimes we run credit, right? And there'll be collections or there'll be certain debts, kind of like Andy said, that you guys as your borrowers, you guys don't ever really run credit. So you don't even know what's on there, right? And then there's people who I feel like the number one fear is, oh, I don't want to get a hard inquiry on my credit report. Um, but it's essential to really becoming a homeowner. So if you're really serious about being a homeowner, it is essential to do that hard inquiry and see what are your scores, if your scores are there. And there's some people who know their scores aren't there, but they don't want to get the hard inquiry 
But if you don't get your hard inquiry, you're never gonna know how to fix your credit, how to get it higher, and how to, again, take that step closer to home ownership. Yep, exactly. So another question that I commonly get is, what do you need to get pre-qualified? So there's gonna be six main documents. First is your ID, so driver's license, passport, something along those, government issued ID. Um, it's gonna, second is gonna be your social security card. Third is gonna be uh, your W-2s for the last two years. Fourth is gonna be your taxes for the last two years. Fifth is gonna be your bank statements for the last two months. Number six is going to be your pay stubs for the last month. And then seven, if it happens, you happen to be in the situation, if you are uh, not a citizen, but a resident, a green card, and they just started allowing DACA to qualify for FHA, conventional as well, we're gonna need to see um, your renewal of, uh, what's it called, your work permit renewal. So those are just some documents that would be, those are the main documents, excuse me, that would be needed for home ownership. Gotcha. So something that I've heard lenders say is that there's a certain amount of work history required to get a loan. So can you dive a little deeper into that? Yeah, of course. So there's going to be a minimum of two years required, right? So there's a way around it in the sense of if you go to school and for example, say if you're going to school to become your being a marketing major, right? So you go to school for business and you get a degree in marketing and right after, right after graduating school, you get a job in marketing, right? You are able to cancel out or, or skip those two years of employment and go straight into buying a home, right? You don't have to wait those two years of employment because we can prove that you got an education and that specific field. So you would just have to show documentation such as your transcripts showing you graduated with this degree and then your employer is going to kind of verify that pretty much you got that job because of that degree right so that that's a way around it but if you don't have that some type of degree it doesn't have to be a, a, a bachelor's degree it could be if you're if you go to school to be a mechanic and you get some type of degree in that sense that works as well but if you don't and you know you just have to establish a two-year work history yeah okay that makes sense so Something that I'm wondering, right? So there's that two-year history that's required. Mm -hmm. So what if there's a break in work? Let's just say like, for instance, during this coronavirus epidemic, right? A lot of people were working full-time jobs and then they were unemployed for a couple months and then they got reemployed again by their employer. Yeah. Is that going to affect whether they have to wait another two years to establish that work history or how does that work? Yeah, so great question. Kind of what you said, it's, it's very common right now with the pandemic where People are losing their jobs um, and it's taking time to reestablish, you know, or to get a new job. So how, how does it affect you, right? So if you're unemployed for more than six months, you're gonna have to establish a six work, a six month work history once again, right? So that's gonna be the key. If you was if you're unemployed for less than six months, so for example, I have a client right now who's actually in escrow. He he got laid off from one job because of the pandemic. He found another job, I think five months later. So he was able right away to use that income. We just need to see one month of pay stubs at that new job. And along with an offer letter to get qualified for a home, he's currently in escrow and he's he's already got his loan approved. So it's definitely something um, that's possible. But again, if it's longer than six months of unemployment, you just have to reestablish that six month history again. Gotcha, that makes sense. So as long as, so like for instance, your client that only had a five month break and he got a job, right? 
-hmm. because he got a job in the same field, right? It has mm -hmm. to be, the, if it's a different field, then you have to reestablish that two years of work history, correct? Yeah, so, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same field. It has to be pretty similar, right? Um, but essentially, the main thing the bank wants to see is that you're not going from, let's say, an engineer to a janitor, right? Where you you went from making six figures a year to um, barely starting as a janitor. Let's say you're making $18 an hour, right? So you went from $40 an hour to $18 an hour. They don't want to see that decrease in income, right? They want to see continue, continue with growth if possible or, or somewhere in the same ballpark. If it's a lot less, then it's going to be hard to justify that for the bank and you're going to have to most likely establish that two-year history again. Gotcha. So this has to be the same field, but just a very comparable field. But more importantly is the income, the right? Income. As long as the income is consistent. Gotcha. Exactly. That makes sense. Exactly. So you know, what down payment are you looking at in order to purchase a home? So there's several programs that require different down payments, right? So most commonly, a lot of first-time home buyers ask, is there down payment assistance programs? I heard that there's programs that help you with your down payment from the government. That is true. So there's programs you can come in with 0% down, right? Um, the most commonly used program by first-time home buyers is referred to as the FHA loan, Federal Housing Administration loan. It's a government-insured loan that requires only 3.5% down payment. The other program most commonly used is a conventional loan, right? Conventional requires minimum 3% or 5%, I recommend more. And then you can go so forth on 10, 15, 20% down. And then of course, there's the VA loan for you veterans out there. I'm sure you guys know 0% down, no mortgage insurance, really, really great loan um, for you guys. And you guys definitely deserve that loan because you guys keep our country safe. Awesome, that's good to know. So what are closing costs? Because I know there's down payment, right? And then mm -hmm. there's also closing costs. So you're gonna have to have both out of pocket ready in order to purchase a home. So what are the closing costs? Mm -hmm. And what's included in, in them? Like what's the, what are the costs that are baked into that closing cost? Got you. So closing costs are really broken up into two sections. First section is gonna be companies in, that you pay for, right? For their services while you're in escrow. It's gonna be three of them. The escrow company, which I kind of say is the referee of the transaction. They're gonna make sure that the buyers are doing what they need to do according to their contract and the sellers are doing what they need to do according to their contract and making sure we close in that timely manner that it says on the contract, which is usually 30 days, right? So they're making sure of that. Um, the second company that you're gonna have to pay for is the title company. Title company is basically gonna ensure that when you purchase your home, that it's gonna be your home and that you're not purchasing with any liens, judgments, or there's any type of discrepancy when you receive your home. It's 100% gonna be your name under your title and there's gonna be no trouble, anything to do with the previous owner, right? Um, and the third one's gonna be the bank. So the bank usually has two fees. One's a processing fee. Processors, what they do is they gather, your, they gather their documents you give me, I send it over to them. They put it in the file, put everything correctly. They're going to do verification of employments when you're in escrow. They're going to get all the documents needed from the title and escrow companies. Just making sure your file is complete so you get your home and it's approved. And then the second people is the people that you have to pay for, excuse me, is the second people you have to pay for, excuse me, is the underwriters. Underwriters are the people who approve your loan. So they're the ones that are gonna, we're going to send the documents into. They're going to review them. And they're gonna say, okay, everything looks good here. We're gonna approve it and you're good to go. You're gonna get your house. So those are the two main people you're gonna pay for the bank. So that's one part of closing costs. The second part of closing costs is gonna be your reserves. So usually when you purchase your home, not usually, for sure when you purchase your home, you're gonna have to have a certain amount of property taxes up front, right? 
So just that all depends on the month of the year you close your home. Right now it's about two to three months. And then later towards the year, it's usually a little higher towards September, October, about eight to nine months of property taxes paid upfront, right? So that's part of closing costs. And then you also have to pay home insurance some months upfront, two to usually two to five months upfront. So those are the main cost of closing costs. It's the companies you have to pay for to close your loan along with the company, uh, the, excuse me, the reserves needed combine those two together that's closing cost and closing cost as far as how much is it it's usually about two to two and a half percent of a home so to kind of give you quick numbers five hundred thousand dollar home you're looking at closing cost of about twelve thousand dollars give or take gotcha okay that makes sense and then for closing costs are title fees included in that in that cost as well or is that different correct title fees are included in closing costs gotcha okay that makes sense all right so this gives you know me a pretty good understanding of what a pre-qualification entails you know what to expect so now what i want to do for all my homies out there is a mock pre-qualification so uh i want to go over a scenario where i'm the buyer he's a lender and my income as the buyer is eighty thousand dollars annually my credit score is six hundred 80. I have three bills. I have a $500 uh, car bill. I have an Audi. Love my Audi. So I had to, I had a splurge $500. Uh, $200 in student loans and then $100 in credit cards. So about $800 in monthly debts. So with this scenario, Angel, you know, yes. what would a pre-qualification look like? Yeah, definitely. So First things first, as a lender, we're gonna analyze that credit score, right? 680, it's a good score, especially for if you're looking at an FHA loan, great score. Um, conventional on the other side, I wouldn't recommend looking at that option. I recommend over once it's over 720, it probably makes a little more sense. But since you're at 680, I highly would recommend an FHA loan, right? So with that being said, once we know your score, then we're gonna go ahead and look at your income. $80,000 a year, that is about $6,667 a month, right? So we look at your income, looks great, and then we look at that debt, right? So that debt was $500 for a car, $200 for student loans, yep. and then $100 for credit card debt. So in total, we are looking at debts of $800 a month, right? So it's pretty common, but I would say that's a good ballpark of what a lot of people do have. You know, they have that car payment. If they don't have a student loan, they have something similar to a student loan, a personal loan, or maybe more credit card debt. A hundred credit, hundred dollars worth of credit card debt monthly is not too much. It's not, it's not uh, anything crazy. And again, these numbers we're looking at is not his total debt. It's his monthly obligations. That's what we care about at the bank. We don't care about if your cars hundred thousand dollars we care about what your monthly payment is which is five hundred dollars so that's what's important to us um so with all those numbers you know putting them all together as far as how much you qualify for you would qualify for about five hundred twenty thousand dollars with an fha loan right um monthly payment you're looking at about two thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars a month and that includes principal interest property taxes home insurance and mortgage insurance all that is included in that monthly payment gotcha so for these uh, monthly bills that i have right you're just going to be looking at my minimum monthly payment right correct 
Correct. Gotcha. Okay, Correct. so that's, that's important. That's super important. I think a lot of people they like, oh, I have thirty thousand dollars in credit card debt. I'm like, I'm not gonna qualify, and I have a car, another car that's I have a car payment at sixty thousand. I'm not gonna qualify. We don't care about again the amount of the debt. We care about the monthly obligation, the minimum payment, or the the installment payment you have to make on a loan. That's what the bank truly cares about. Cool. That's good to know. Okay. And then I'm sorry. One other thing to, I would say to that, we don't count cable bills we don't count phone bills all that stuff those debts aren't considered actual debts those are just bills that you have to pay it's not a monthly obligation because you can cancel those whenever you want so those don't count as debt gotcha so essentially anything that's tied to my credit score right correct yes exactly makes, makes sense okay so you mentioned that i was pre-qualified up to five hundred twenty thousand dollars with the fha loan correct so what down payment do I need, what closing costs am I expecting? What out-of-pocket costs yeah, should of I course. be expecting for that home? So on a $520,000 home at three and a half percent down, um, down payment required, it's $18,200. That's the required money needed, either in your bank or someone's gonna gift you the money. That money for sure has to be come from you, the buyer, right? Um, closing cost again is about another two and a two and a half percent. So let's just say another $12,000. In total, you're looking at coming in with about $30,000 in total. Um, closing costs, as I know I'm sure Anthony can kind of speak to, is it's not only paid, it can, it's a requirement paid by you, but you could also have it paid by the seller if you negotiate it. Us as a lender, we could help you with some of the closing costs, sometimes all of it, um, but the bank never does anything for free, right? So they will increase your interest rate to help you with those closing costs. Um, but the down payment of that 18,200 is for sure has to come from you. No in, in F or buts about it. And ifs or but about it. Yeah, it's gonna come from you, um, the home buyer. Or again, if it's a gift, that's more than that's more than okay. Gotcha, okay, sounds good. So I didn't mention this, Angel, mm -hmm. um, but I'm actually, this is my last month paying my car. It's mm -hmm. gonna be done. Um, would that influence how much I get pre-qualified for it? And if it does influence, you know, what would that number be? Of course. Um, so that's a great question. So a lot of times people come in with debts and they maybe be at the end of the, their end of their loan or almost done paying off their credit card or they have some extra money hanging around at home or in their bank. And they say, okay, if I pay off this debt or if I pay off that debt, um, will it qualify me for more? Most likely it will. So. Uh, let me go ahead and run those numbers for you if you were to pay that off and let's see how much of a difference it would make yeah let's let's take a look at that because i was actually i wanted to be somewhere in the six hundred thousand dollar ballpark for like 575 i think that's the area that would give me more options for the three plus bedrooms that i'm looking for in the area got you Quick question as we wait. Um, so in regards to the credit score, right? I have a yes. 680 credit score. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be looking at the three bureaus and then getting an average of the three or how did, what is, how do you come across that 680? Which, which end do you pick? Which is the yeah. most important bureaus? So again, like you kind of, you said there's three bureaus. Those three bureaus are Experian, TransUnion and Equifax. We look at all three bureaus and we take the middle score. So just to kind of give you a quick example if your experience score is 667, your TransUnion score is 691, and your Equifax score is 680, 
680 was the middle score between those three bureaus. So we would look at the 680 score. And then another question I get asked a lot is if I bring in a cosigner and they have a 780 credit score, will that help me out as far as my credit rating? Unfortunately, the bank is always gonna take the lower credit score out of the two borrowers. It's just they wanna mitigate the risk. So they always look at the lower borrower. It's not like a car loan where if you bring on a cosigner and that has good credit, you're gonna get a better interest rate. That's not how it works with homes. We always look at the lower at the lower score between the borrowers. Let me, uh, it's taking some time to load, but one second. Sorry about that. So if you were to pay off that $500 debt and you, I'm sorry, I'm going back. If you were to pay off that $500 debt, your purchase price, your purchasing power would go up to 550, right? 
Um, and your monthly payment would also increase, of course, to about $3,100 a month. Um, and with an FHA loan, I don't want to get too much in detail because it's a little tricky to kind of explain to someone who's new to this terminology. But they have, we look at two things, two different ratios, right? Um, one's going to be the housing expense ratio and one's going to be your debt to income ratio. Your housing expense ratio is how much of a monthly payment you can afford, right? So you get that by taking your monthly income and you multiply it by 46%. That is going to give you how much an FHA loan allows you to have ma maximum mortgage payment, right? So on if you are making $6,667 a month, and you multiply it by 46%, the maximum payment it allows you to have is a little less than 3,100. So you would qualify for about $3,100, right? Um, and then you also have your debt to income ratio, which it allows you to have up to 56%. Debt to income ratio compares your total debts, including that new, that new mortgage payment you're gonna have along with the income you make. So you could have 56% of it. So essentially, you could have no debt, right? And you, so you could have some debt, and if you pay it off, you're not going to truly get to that new purchasing amount. I don't know if that makes sense. Like it's not. It's the max you can go is to that housing expense, right? Yeah. So the maximum housing expense, the maximum payment you can afford is thirty one hundred dollars. So you already reached that with your income. It doesn't matter if you have more debt. You've already reached the maximum limit you're ever going to be able to do right now with an FHA loan based on the interest rates of today, the maximum payment is $3,100. Gotcha. So it's it's the smaller of the two, right? The smaller of the two, pretty much, yeah. So 46% mm -hmm. or 56% that's mm -hmm. income ratio. Correct, correct. Gotcha, so, that makes sense. So in this scenario, I would be pre-qualified up to $550,000 if mm -hmm. I remove that $500 car bill. And the reason being is because uh, I hit that 46% mark, right? Correct. So because I still have really low monthly bills of $300, it's more so my income. I need to start increasing that mm -hmm. in order to, be, to get pre-qualified for more. Exactly. Or I would need a co-signer, right, to help me out. Exactly. Co-signer, correct. Gotcha. So, so like I mentioned earlier, I really wanted to be in that $600,000 price mark. Mm -hmm. So and I guess what I would have to do is either come up with that money out of pocket mm -hmm. or get a co-signer to help me out, right? Correct. Correct. Um, you could do out of pocket. We could also, of course, look at the conventional 5% down range. Uh, it's probably going to be around the same mark because, again, your score is at 680. If you get it up to 720, you probably you know qualify for a little more. Um, but I essentially, I would say the best route would be looking at a cosigner option that could help you, you know, still come in with that three and a half percent down. Uh, your cosigner, if they own a home, they could still cosign for you guys. So don't think that they cannot co-sign for you if they own a home. It's They're just gonna be considered non-owner occupied co-signer, which essentially means if they own a home or if they have rent, we have to hit them. We have to count that debt against them, right? So we can't exclude that debt because you're still gonna have to be paying that monthly obligation. But if you're only trying to get $50,000 more and you have someone who makes pretty good money, um, their mortgage payment's pretty low, there's probably a good chance that you could get to that $600,000 mark. So this is a, a really important question, homies. The question is, I want to go the FHA route. I want a co-signer to help me get to the $600,000 price range. Mm -hmm. What if my co-signer is already 
already has a home purchase with the FHA loan. Can they co-sign on my FHA loan? Great question. So most of the time it's no. Uh, you can only have one FHA loan at a time. The only way around that is there's like a distance rule. I don't know the exact amount, but for example, if you have, um, if you buying, you're buying here in California and you have a sibling that lives out in Texas that's willing to help you co-sign and they have an FHA loan because of the distance that how far the homes are, it allows you that, that, that um, it, you can exclude it pretty much, exclude that rule in that case because wow. of the distance. Wow, that's super interesting. I've never heard that before in my life. Um, that's good to know though. That's super good to know. It's something that probably worth exploring a little bit more because I get that question um, yeah. often. So, okay. Well, now I know that I'm pre-qualified in this scenario up to $550,000 as of next month. Mm -hmm. And that I'm probably going to need someone to help me co-sign because I don't have that much for a down payment. Correct. Uh, but that, that gives me a really, really good idea, Angel, that right now, if I want to look at homes, I'm going to be looking at that $550,000 price range until I can secure a co-signer that will be willing to help me out to get to the $600,000 price range, right? Correct. Uh, but thank you so much, you know, that really, really helps out a lot. Um, I'm gonna jump out of my buyer row and back into Anthony, the podcast <laughs> mode. And just wanted to see, you know, as at homies, like, is there any questions that you would have for a lender? I know that there's a lot of financing questions I get all the time. I actually have a list of like 50 questions that I wanna, ask Angel, but I don't want to overwhelm you all right now. So it's something that I'm going to kind of batch up into separate little podcasts. I think you're going to be very, very informational, educational, and insightful and really help you all out. Um, there's a lot of ways to get into your home. I know it can be overwhelming sometimes, but you know, once you get a better idea of the certain scenarios and options available to you, you'll be more willing to actually explore them yourself. So uh, with that being said, Angel, is there any last words you want to give to our listeners? Yeah, I guess the main suggestion would be I would highly recommend anyone who's truly interested in purchasing a home to come not to me or to any lender you want to go get pre-qualified and really see where you're at. Right. Because some a lot of times, not sometimes, I would say a lot of times people are six months out to their goals or a year out to their goals. And you can figure out exactly what game plan to put in motion make sure when you do go out and you speak with the lender that they can help you build a game plan. I do know some lenders won't take that time, but make sure you find someone who's gonna take care of you and make sure that they help you reach your goals. So just a quick example, I met somebody a year ago, about almost two years now, literally she called me last week. She said, I've been listening to what you're saying, you know, and I really wanna take this process serious. She's like, so I wanna rerun my credit, see how it was. Her credit was like in the 550s. She worked on what I said as much, as best as she could. She honestly thought she still wasn't gonna qualify. I said, well, let's just run your credit. Let's see how it goes. She makes about $80,000 a year, a little bit more than that. And she qualified. She qualified, her credit score went up to 660. She, and she's ecstatic now. Now she's on that path to home ownership and she's really, really close now. And it took her two years, but I know for her, she was extremely happy. So make sure you guys come in get those questions answered, figure out a game plan and make sure we can make home ownership um, a reality for you. Awesome, Angel. Well, thank you for those words. Uh, thank you, homies, for listening. I wanna wish you all the best and have a great day. Take care, y'all. Thank you, thank you.
Hey homies, it's Anthony. This podcast contains my opinions and is for educational purposes only. It does not guarantee any projections and should not serve as a basis for any purchase or sale in real estate. 